Hey there, and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. We've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives, and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. I want to talk today about something that's really been stirring in my heart really for the last three or four weeks since what we uh, saw unfold in Israel. And the goal of this series is really to recognize the times that we are now living in. And that's the name of the series for the next four weeks called Recognizing the Times. And um, it really is a series to help us understand the times we live in, but also for us to live with a sense of urgency and a sense of Jesus is coming back and a sense of how we live in those times. And so this is not a series to scare people, okay? This is not a weird series, a wacky series, okay? This is gonna be a biblical series based on the teachings of Christ. And so that's my commitment to this series. And before each message, before we have a little bit of fun, and so we've been out, out onto the streets of Norwich. Well, I haven't. I sent one of our junior elves, Will, um, who's, who's redundant this year from, from, from uh, The Wonder. And we sent him out on the streets to just to have a chat to some of the locals, to talk to them about what they see happen in our world. And uh, would they ever be interested in coming to church and hearing uh, all about the good news of Jesus? Can you see what they had to say? In the times that we're living at the moment, do you think we're living in a healthy world? I think it's quite, quite clear that the environment is dying and uh, we're in quite a precarious position as human beings. We cannot just go and mingle with friends and other things. Like everything is online. Challenging for, um, for many people. So have you been to church before then? Yes, I was brought up in... Have you ever been to a church? Yeah, when I was younger. When was the last time you went? Um, they are Hindu, uh, as I'm Indian, we used to go to temples. If someone you knew was to invite you to church, would you consider it or not? Well, I mean, like, I wouldn't be like rude to them or anything. No, I, I don't mind going to church. If you were to be invited to church, would you come? Yeah, I might do. You might do? If I was to invite you guys to church, would you, would you come? Would you consider it? Yep, yeah. Would you want to come to church this Sunday with us? Nine o'clock service, the eleven o'clock service, or the five o'clock service? Yeah, from Soul Church. And we'd love to see you guys there. If you're ever about, we'd love yeah. to have you. Great work, Will. How easy is that? I think we're living in times where people are looking for hope. People are looking for answers and uh, it's so, so good. So the goal of this series is really for us to recognize the signs of the times that we're living in and respond in sharing the good news to those around us. Now, who would agree that our world is changing pretty quickly? Bible prophecy is being fulfilled before our eyes, and I, I really sense that as a church we need to address some of these things. And humanity has always been obsessed with knowing the future. Who likes to know the future? Who likes to know what you're having for lunch? Okay, so you want to know the future, okay? I do as well. But our only reliable source of prophecy is the Word of God. That's our only reliable source. The good news is the Bible often tells us what's about to happen before it happens. I talked a couple of weeks ago about history is his story. History, his story. The story of Christ being unveiled before our eyes. Now, 
I'm going to say something that's pretty, pretty straight, okay? Today, I'm going to say a lot of things uh, that are from, from the Bible, and the goal is, the goal is not agreement today. Uh, the, the goal is unity. Can I just say that for your family? The goal is never agreement. The goal is unity. You're never going to agree on everything, but the goal is unity. So as a church, there may be some things today that I say that you go, I don't agree with. Well, let's just keep unity, okay? And, and, and let's agree to disagree on something. But I'm going to try and keep it, opinion out of it and just completely biblical and what Christ said about some of the things we're going to talk about. Is that okay? And so um, a lot of Christians in churches are ducking away from what I'm about to say, but it needs to be crystal clear from the outset. We're going to say this at the start of every, every, every one of these messages. It's going to come up on the screen, Okay. Jesus Christ is coming back. The world as we know it will end. Those who know Christ will spend eternity with him. Those who don't know Christ will spend eternity in hell. Okay? That is what we believe. So we're kind of really cool with the middle bit. Those who know Christ will spend eternity with him. We don't really like talking about the first bit. Jesus Christ is coming back. And we definitely don't want to talk about the last bit. Okay, so we kind of pick and choose the bits we like from the Bible. I really love that bit. That's my favorite bit. And then we miss certain verses, certain chapters, because it doesn't fit in with a worldview, a world narrative, what they teach at university. So we, don't kind of, we kind of mix and match what we do and what we don't like. But this, this series is really to help us understand that Jesus is coming back. Recognize the times and recognize that everybody has a choice on where they spend eternity. John chapter 14, verse 1 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I love this, I will come again and will take you to myself and where I am, you may be also. I've really felt compelled over the last three or four weeks since the, what's happened in the Middle East to keep reminding us as a church that Jesus is coming back again. Well, John, that is not making me feel very comfortable this morning. I'm not here to make us feel comfortable. This series is not to make us feel comfortable, but for us to recognize the times that we are living in, making sure that we are ready for Christ's return. Now, growing up, it was kind of standard, standard language in the church that Jesus was coming back again. But because of popular opinion and the way the world's gone, we don't like to talk about that anymore. So we just pick the bits in the Bible that we love and we leave the, the, the ones out that we don't. And a lot of it can be because end times preachers, which I am not and I will never be, say things to deliberately get a reaction and they end up speaking conspiracy. Their focus is primarily on what they can't control rather than what they can control. And so in this series, we are not gonna focus on what we can't control. We're gonna focus on what we can control. And often end times preaching can bring lots of confusion. Different theologians interpret scriptures in very many different ways because of, their, because of their, their upbringings, their environments. And it can often bring a lot of fear and uncertainty. And the, the message of Christ's return can actually become an anti-hope message where 
I don't think that's what it is. I actually think the message of Jesus returning is a message full of hope. It's full of hope. And so he is, Jesus is the hope of the world. And I really want to approach this message, this series, I want to approach this with utter humility. Because I haven't got all the answers, but I know Jesus, he says some really, really clever, strong things in this area to help us not be filled with doom and gloom, but be filled with faith and hope today. And so the last four chapters of Matthew uh, depict Jesus' last few days on earth before he's taken away and he's crucified, and he gets really honest with his disciples. If you had three or four days to live, who knows that you'd have some pretty honest conversations. You wouldn't be having like, I wonder what the weather's like tomorrow. You don't care what the weather's like tomorrow. You've got four days to live. You want your nearest and dearest closest to you, and you wanna have some really honest conversations. And so Jesus, on his last few hours, days on earth, he brought his nearest and dearest closest to him, and he went to one of his favorite hangout spots, which was the Mount of Olives. And on the Mount of Olives, they had this conversation about what happens next. So we're gonna pick that up, and I'm gonna ask, who's gonna come up? Come on, Jin. No rush, Jin. Isn't Jen a blessing to our church? And ladies, he's single, but anyway, that's her. That's for the relationship series. You focus on the word, Jen. (laughs) So we're going to read from Matthew. We're going to read from... You've really caused a stir, haven't you? Got to go serious. Let's get serious. You better better go quick. Jesus is coming back. (laughs) Okay. Let's read this, starting with verse 3. Matthew 24, verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming, and at the end of the age? Verse 4. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and you will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Verse 36, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Verse 44, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Thank you, Jim. God bless the reading of your word. I want to encourage you this week to, we're going to just stay in Matthew 24, so I encourage you to really study that passage because I haven't been able to read the whole thing because of time, but it really talks about the signs of the times that we're living in. Jesus shares with his disciples that there will be a generation who will see a rapid fulfillment of prophecy. Now, 
If we take a generation as approximately 70 years, there has been 158 generations since Jesus walked on earth. He says there will be a generation who will see a, a, a fulfillment of the prophecies that I have just spoken. And just like the disciples, I have some questions about what is happening in our world right now. Does anyone else have any questions about what's happening? And Jesus addresses six questions that his disciples are asking. And we've probably are all asking these questions. In fact, you might not even be a believer and someone's brought you to church today and a huge welcome. We pray you, you feel at home, you feel part of the family, but you might not even be a Christian, you might even be an atheist and you're even asking these questions. And so, over the next four or five weeks, we're gonna unpack these six questions. The first one is this, why does Jesus need to return? Why do we need this? The second question, when will this happen? Any clues? Third question, what are the signs for Jesus' return? Fourth question, this is a big one, how should we live? How should we live? If you knew that you had five years, 10 years, 20 years left on earth, who knows it would change the way you live? Fifth question, who do we tell? Who do we tell? Do we just keep it to ourselves or do we let people know that there's a reason for the changes that we're seeing? And the sixth and final question, where do we go? Where will we go? Which, for those of you who've been coming to Soul Church for a few years, that's Eternity Sunday. We'll talk about heaven and hell. Talk about what the Bible says about it. So we're going to unpack this first question today. First, three questions. The first one is this, why does Jesus need to return? Because some of you are sitting there going, I quite like my life. I'm quite happy living in Cromer. I've got my family, I've got my fish and chips. I'm not sure I need, I don't really need anything. Is that right, Ben? I'm not sure I need anyone to come and save me. So I'm going to share with you quickly three reasons why Jesus needs to come back to the earth. Number one is the fulfillment of prophecy. God cannot break a promise. In John 14, 3, he says, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, that you may be also. It was prophesied that he will return. Every prophecy has come true, and this one will come true. The second reason that Jesus needs to come back, and I think this is the big one, is that Christ needs to save us. Verse 22 of Matthew 24 says, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. If the days we're living in, Jesus said, are not cut short, we would not survive. Why? Save us from what? Ourselves. Ourselves. It, if Jesus does not come back, we as humans will annihilate ourselves. Hands down. We will annihilate ourselves. More and more arsenals of weapons of mass destruction have been stockpiled from some of the world's evils. There is so much hatred, racism, division, anger, violence, segregation. Humanity has proven one thing over these past few weeks. We cannot live without a savior. We cannot live without a savior. 2 Timothy 3.1. This is a really happy verse for a Monday morning. Ready? 
The world is going, growing worse and worse. Anyone glad they came to church today? Don't worry, this will get better. I promise you we'll leave it here. We might hit some valleys, but we will get better. Paul told us this, in the last days, perilous time. We don't hear that word very often. How's your day? I'm having a perilous one. I mean, we don't use that language too much, do we? Perilous. It's like the worst of the worst times will come. God knew, God knew that these days were coming. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send a politician to save you. If politics could save the world, God would have sent a politician. But politics has proven it can't. With a big smile on my face. So what did God say? You don't need a politician. You need a savior. So he said, before you self-destruct, I'm going to send you someone to save yourselves. Thirdly and finally... Why, do we, why does Jesus need to return? Because he needs to appear in glory, in vindication, and in honor. The last picture that the world saw of Jesus was him hanging naked on a cross, crucified. What kind of king would hang on a cross in front of his family and friends? His first coming, Jesus was mocked. He was persecuted, torturously executed in shame and humiliation. Humiliation. But when he returns, he will not return on a cross. He will return in glory and honor. And he will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Matthew, Matthew chapter 16 verse 27 says, The Son of Man will come. He will come again in the glory of his Father and with his angels. The last view we saw of Jesus was on earth was him hanging on a cross. But the next view will be him coming as King of Kings in all his glory. Who would agree we need Jesus to return? Second question the disciples asked was this, and I think it's a really good question. I don't know which one of the twelve asked it, but... And he was spot on, because I want to know the answer to this one. When will this happen? When will this happen? Who's a when person, likes to know all the facts and the details? <laughs> We're having a party. You know, everybody inviting a party. When's it happening? Not sure yet. What time is it? Don't know. Well, you need to let me know. The disciples are like, we need to know what's going on. And Jesus responds to the disciples and he says, but. Concerning that day and that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Jesus is coming again soon. We do not know the hour, we do not know the day, but Jesus gives us some important clues. I think he, he, he doesn't want us to know the exact time. Can you imagine if we knew the exact time, how we'd live? He wants us to long for that day, pray for that day, be prepared for that day, and wait patiently for that day. I felt, Chantel and I both felt compelled over the last three weeks to keep reminding our church that Jesus is coming back again soon. And that might be today, 
I'm hoping it will be after the building opens, because the last seven years have been hard work. <laughs> if he comes back that day, I'm like, oh my, you know. <clears throat> Just give us a year in that building, yeah? A bit longer. Anyone want to get married first? You're like, yeah, get me married. <laughs> Gin. <laughs> I'm trying, mate. He told me to give me the shortfall for half the house. If I got him up here, he read that, and I said all that. So I'm doing my bit. We should be serious. We're speaking about a serious subject. So what does this mean? What does this mean for you and I? What does this mean for you and me? The first thing it means is this, be ready. Secondly, we've got to stay close to Jesus. And thirdly, we've got to stay close to church. This is not a time to be dipping in and out of church. Oh, the sun's out, I'm going to play golf today. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back and we need each other, we need family, we need community, we need the church. And the devil is distracting mankind from understanding the, 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 the signs and the closeness of Jesus' return. Well, John, this really is not making me feel good today. This series is not aimed, I'll just say this from the outset, at making us feel good. You know, when a, when a mother has a child, she doesn't feel good. It's not like a feel-good moment, is it? but it brings new life. And um, I think this is a wake-up moment for Christians. This is a wake-up moment for the church. And we actually need to talk about it. And in our groups, we're gonna talk about this. And so, yeah, when will this happen? Basically, we don't know. That's what Jesus said, but it's gonna happen. Be ready. Number three, this is the big one. We're gonna unpack this today. What are the signs? So the disciples are like, has, you, has your children ever said to you, what am I getting for Christmas? My kids are started all the time. And then their next question, I say, I'm not going to tell you. Next question, give us a clue. <laughs> give us a clue. Is it big? Is it small? Is it furry? Is it soft? Is it, does it smell? Can you eat it? They're asking for clues. So the disciples, they're not happy with Jesus' first response. They're like, well, just, just tell us something. Give us a little insight. Matthew 24, 3, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? One of the disciples is prodding Jesus for more info. And Jesus, he describes, he goes in and he shares seven clear signs for his return. But he describes metaphorically, he describes his return as a mother's birth pains. In Matthew 24, 8, it says this, all these, all the things we're about to talk about, are the beginning of birth pains. Now, at the time, as the times get closer, when you give birth, and I'm obviously speaking from experience, the contractions, <laughs> they get closer and closer. At first, you get a little niggle, and then it goes away again, and then the pain increases, and then the contractions get closer and closer and closer and closer until new life is birthed. Now, I don't know about you, but it, it feels like five years ago, from the start of Brexit, it's been one thing, 
to the next. We had Brexit. I mean, honestly, breakfast, Brexit, I said breakfast, Brexit. <laughs> Brexit was a breeze compared to what we're going through now, wasn't it? I'm like, bring back Brexit. I mean, that was, you know, we all thought it was like, oh, wow, this is really tough, but that was a breeze. Brexit led on to COVID, and then COVID to the Ukraine-Russia outbreak of war, and then we've got a global financial meltdown, and now war is emerging in the Middle East. And we're standing on another war with China and Taiwan, and what's happening is the contractions. This time between each major world event is getting closer and closer and closer. And even if you're like, I don't, I, I don't agree with anything you're saying, the facts are there. And Jesus said at the end times, he said the contractions will get quicker and things, major world events will get closer and closer. One thing after another. And Jesus was saying, the, when you see these things coming more and more, this ought to get our attention. And if I'm honest, this has got my attention. We need to wake up. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. <clears throat> Do you know what? Today, I'd much rather preach on seven steps to reaching your God-given dream. Wouldn't that be lovely? You know, seven steps. But I can't because of the contractions. Because things are changing our world. And we can't just read up to Matthew 23 and say, oh, it was fantastic. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these lovely verses. I've got oh, Matthew 24. Oh, that one scares me. I'm going to park that one. And we pick and choose the bits of the Bible we read and we don't read because we don't agree with that bit. We don't like that bit. But either the Bible is absolute truth or it's not truth. The Bible is not partial truth. It is absolute truth from front to back. And so something is happening in our world. If you're watching online, something is happening and we need to wake up to what is happening around us. Because Jesus was saying, just like a lady giving birth, we will see more and more frequent events as the time of Christ's return and we are living, and we are living in that generation that we talked about at the start. So then his disciples are like, well, what are those signs? And Jesus, I, I want to encourage you, write these down. You can watch it back later and take notes. Pull out your phone. Don't look at Instagram. Okay, you can look at that later. Don't tweet. Don't do anything like that. Just write these things down because these are seven signs to indicate Christ's return. Seven signs. And I'm not going to tell you whether Christ is coming back soon. You have to decide for yourselves by reading what Jesus said and reading the signs that are happening around us. And then we all can make our own decision on what's happening in the world. Number one, and they all begin with D. Seven signs to indicate his return. Number one is this, deception. Verse four, Jesus answered. He spoke back to his disciples. He says, one of the signs, the first sign, he says, watch out that nobody deceives you. The first hallmark of the last days will be a time of great deception. Who would agree our world has never been so deceived? Who do we trust? Who do we trust? Do we trust the government? Do we trust local politics? Who do we trust? Who can we believe? Where is the truth? And we're all searching for truth. We're all looking. And people who should know better let us down. And people say things. And all of a sudden, we're in a world where we're so deceived. 
Nobody knows what to believe anymore. Deception. And Jesus answered, he said, hey, one of the first contractions that you'll know that I'm coming back is, we're living in a world where you will be deceived. Secondly, in second D is this division. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. More wars, terrorism, hijackings, bombings, assassinations than ever before. Jesus predicted this 2,000 years ago. He wrote these things. We talked about the wars that are on our doorstep, the imminent wars in China. Verse 7, he says, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Nation in Greek, which, which this verse was written, is the word ethnos, where we get the word ethnic from. And we now see more ethnic tension in our world than ever before. Jew and Arab, black and white, tribe v. tribe, religion v. religion, left v. right, Republican v. Democrat, conservative v. Labour. We live in a world which is rising with tension. And yet never has our world been so divided. And Jesus says, he says, you know what, that's a sign of my intimate return. Thirdly, these don't get any better, by the way. Disasters. Disasters. Verse 7. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Jesus is being pretty open here. Plagues, earthquakes, famines. If you research it and look at the charts, which I did this week, the annual number of great earthquakes has tripled over the past decade. Tripled. So in the last 10 years, there's been more earthquakes, great earthquakes, than in the history of the world. Jesus predicted this 2,000 years ago. He said, one of the signs for my return is you will see an increase in earthquakes. The day after the atrocities which happened in Israel, there was an earthquake in Afghanistan where over 1,000 people died, but because of the magnitude of what was happening in Israel, it just got lost in the news, but a thousand people got wiped out in a moment. And there are earthquakes that are happening all over the world, but they don't even get our attention because it's not big enough news anymore because it's just standard news. Jesus spoke about it. It's though our earth is heaving in pain, crying out. Number four. The fourth sign, defamation. Verse 9, since you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. If you want to leave the room now and go for coffee, feel free. I might join you. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Religious, this is religious persecution towards those who follow Jesus. We are beginning to see a stereotyping of persecution and people who follow Christ. Chantal and I, we, we were commenting, we were watching a series last week, and it feels like every time a Christian is depicted in a, in a movie, we're the weirdos now. You notice that? We're like weird. They always, they always seem to paint a Christian in a bad light, what they're against. Can you imagine if we removed... 
Every Christian charity, the Christian work, the food banks, all the incredible work that churches and Christians do in our city, in our nation, all around the world, how this world would fall into free fall. But everything that's ever highlighted or painted about a Christian is always extreme, weird, odd, peculiar, because there is a persecution arriving around Christianity. Why are we surprised? Because if we know our Bibles, Jesus said, Matthew 24, verse 9, he says, then you'll be handed over and be persecuted. So our stand for biblical values in marriage, the truth around gender, a man is a man and a woman is a woman, and other hot topics, people are losing their jobs. People are losing their jobs. Because when you stand for biblical truth, the Bible says you will be persecuted. So persecution is coming. The more you stand for righteousness, now righteousness is a really big word. And it's like my dad always taught me, he said, John, the easiest way to understand righteousness is right living. Right living. So God wants us to live right. So the more you stand for right living, you won't be popular. Young people, young adults, if you want to be an influencer, be an influencer for truth. If you are a Christian and you're not suffering any level of persecution, there is a day coming. There is a day coming if you stand for truth. We've got to stand up as Christians for ending modern day slavery. Tonight, we're going to be highlighting Blue Bear Coffee and Hope for Justice, two incredible organizations who are doing some incredible work rescuing children from slavery around the world. But we've got to stand for truth. God's children are not for sale. We've got to stand up for the unborn child who has no voice. We've got to stand up for truth. When it comes to what our children, our young people are being taught in their schools. We've got to stand up for truth. Young people, young adults, you did not come from a chimpanzee. You were made in the image of God. Made in the image of God. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are his works that my soul knows very well. But where is a generation who will stand up in religious studies and stand up in biology and say, excuse me, sir, in all due respect, I don't have that opinion. I believe my God created me. Are we just going to sit back and let everyone walk all over us? Or are we going to be men and women who have the courage to stand for moral truth? Because it's coming. Defamation. Which leads to the next one. Desertion. Because what's going to happen is this. Verse 10. Jesus said there's going to be a group of people who will stand for truth. And then there's going to be a whole load of people who will fall away. At that time, many will turn away from their faith. Hang on, what have we just seen during COVID? What have we just seen? Many people have fallen away. And will betray and hate each other. Christians turning against Christians. 
websites, Instagram accounts, pulling each other down, hating on each other. Jesus predicted it. He said, this will be a sign that I'm coming back. When persecution against Christians begins, we will find out who's a, who's a true believer. And there are many, many unbelieving believers. But they will desert and they will fall away. Many of my close friends who I went to Bible school with and Chantel's are no longer serving Christ. Many, many, many. Facebook's a great revealer. Pastors, even some pastors that I was in contact with ran for their lives during COVID because a little persecution is nothing to what's coming. Nothing. Chantal and I, especially John, has made many mistakes leading this church over the past 10 years. But one regret I don't have, and by God's grace I'll never have, is this. I refuse to quit. I refuse to quit. It's, and by the way, it's not wrong to want to. Trust me, you lot have driven me crazy sometimes. But I refuse to quit. In my office, both of my offices, it just says this, I refuse to quit. Don't you dare give up. And I refuse to quit my faith. I refuse to quit when the going gets tough. I refuse to quit. I spoke to ISLA boy students this week and they asked me for one piece of advice. They Pastor John, what would, you, what would you say to an 18-year-old me? Everyone asks you that. Simple, two words, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit uni when it gets tough this year. Don't quit your marriage. Don't quit. Just don't quit. The greatest ability that God's given you is stickability. Stick at it. Hold to it. Don't run. Hold. Jesus said in these last days, people would fall away. Fall away from truth, fall away from marriage, fall away from church, fall away. Wouldn't it be great if there was a group of people in Norwich who weren't known just for a bright new church, but they were known as a church who stood for truth. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was a, a Christian union at the University of East Anglia and there was a group that hadn't been for a generation that stood for truth. In City College, in the Art College, that there was a group who stood for truth. Number six. I promise you it'll finish better than it started, I promise. Disinformation. Verse 11 says, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Now, I, I'll be honest, I think I've, I've reinterpreted this passage over the past few weeks. Because I kind of thought, oh, Jesus, he was talking about the wackos. You ever met a Christian wacko? When I, when I was, I've been listening to podcasts and messages and trying to glean information. There is, there is more content out there on eschatology, which is the fancy word for this subject, than any other subject in Christianity. People are fascinated, intrigued with the times that we're living in. So we're not short of content. So I just thought, yeah, there's, there's so many weirdos and whack jobs out there. But actually, 
I think Jesus was thinking, actually speaking about something even greater than that. I think in that he was including those extremists and false teachers, but I also think he was including preachers who won't talk on certain issues and subjects and they water down the Bible. I actually think Jesus was talking about those people. Do you know God is love is mentioned twice in the whole of the Bible. God is love. God is holy is mentioned 400 times. Hang on before you clap. Because we major on love. And let me tell you, God is love. And he loves you. And he died for you. For God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son. And I love talking about the love of God. But he is holy. He is so holy. He is sovereign. And we have to get back. And this is question number four next week. How do I live? We have to get back to holiness. Where we are set apart for God. So we don't just casually walk into church with a coffee with our hands in our pockets late on a Sunday thinking we're doing God a favor. That's not holy. Where we fall to our knees in the presence of Jesus. Where we ascertain His goodness afresh in our lives. Where we concentrate and fix our eyes on Him. And we live different to our friends at work. We're not looking at things on our phone that has the potential to harm our marriage. We're not telling dirty jokes. We're different. We're different. Christian means Christ in me. If Christ is in me, then I am different. I'm losing my voice, but I'm going to use it on you. We have to get back to this place where God, you are holy holy. I don't act like my friends. I don't do what they do. I don't drink what they do. I don't go to the places they go because God, you are holy. You are holy. I'm not going to sleep with my boyfriend or my girlfriend before I'm married because God, you are holy. You are holy. Oh God, John, that's just so old school. Let's bring back old school. Let's bring back old school because old school wasn't broken. And I'm not saying any of this to condemn people. We're all on a journey with our faith. I'm saying this just we've got to get the needle back to holiness. God is a God of grace. He's a God of love. He's a God of forgiveness and all those things. God is a God of truth. Many false prophets will appear. And they'll have flashy sermons and they can etiquette. And they'll, they'll be able to do things that I'll never be able to do. But we've got to make sure that we're focusing on the truth of Jesus disinformation. Number seven, I'm going to finish with this one. I promise it's going to be positive. Declaration. The seventh sign Jesus shared with his disciples was declaration. He said the final sign will be the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to the nations and then the end will come. Fifteen years ago or so, I was invited to the north of South Africa to a very remote place called the Transkei. Has anyone ever been up to the Transkei? We landed at a tiny little airfield called Butterworth, and we traveled for three or four hundred miles in the back of a jeep 
into these remote, remote little villages and hamlets. I was with a good friend of mine called Kelly. He said, John, I want to take you to some places and I want you to meet some people who have never, ever even heard the name of Jesus. They don't know anything about Christianity and they don't have any Bibles. He says, we're going to take some Bibles in their native language. So we packed the Jeep and we headed off into the Transkai. For the first time in my life, I met people who had never heard the name Jesus. Knew nothing, can you imagine? I mean, even people who have totally heard of Mary and Joseph or something. These people had never heard of anything. And I had the privilege of sharing the gospel for an interpreter with people who'd never heard it before. Wow. It was one of the most amazing experiences that I'll never forget. When I read this scripture, Jesus is saying, he said, the, the seventh sign of my return, he says, the gospel will be preached in all the world. Now, I used to get a little bit caught up on that because I was like, well, I'd been to the trans guy and I kept meeting people who'd never heard. And then we live in the technology age. Things have changed in 15 years like never before. I'm a friend of Bobby Grunehold who created the Bible app who has the Bible app on their phone? Just give us away if you have the Bible app on your phone. Amazing. Probably 85, 90% of people have the Bible app. He created the Bible app 10 years ago. Over 800 million active users. 800 million. So we used to think, well, Jesus can't come back until we get on our horseback and we ride. But now we're living in an age where, let me tell you, Everyone's got a mobile. You go anywhere, they've got a mobile phone. I'm like, I don't know where you're getting signal from, but they've got a mobile phone. <laughs> I'm not in the center of Norwich, I can't get any signal, and you're in the outback, and you're like, oh, I've got a signal. And Bobby was telling me, he said, John, we've just crossed over 800 million users on the, on the, on the Bible app. <laughs> wow. That's, that's over one in eight people in the world now have access in a second. Whether you're on the tube, whether you're in your car listening, audio, and the gospel is spreading far quicker than we could ever imagine. Why am I saying that? Because Jesus, this is a fulfillment of Scripture. The gospel is now more accessible than ever before. Scripture urges us to continue to share our faith. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. I'm not here to bring the bad news today. I'm here to, for us to recognize the times that we're living and declare again, Jesus is coming back. When? I have no idea. All I know is they're the signs. They're the seven signs that he spoke about. The gospel is moving faster throughout the world than it's ever been through technology. We don't have to live in fear, but we can have glorious hope that we will spend eternity with him. John 16, 33 says this, in this world, you will have trouble. Anyone familiar with that? But take heart. Take heart, Matt. Take heart, Sharon. Take heart. Take heart. 
for I have overcome the world. So what's our response? What is our response to a message like this? Well, first of all, why does Jesus need to return? Because I need a savior. Left to myself, I'm going to mess this up and you're going to mess this up. So thank God that he's coming back before we mess this up completely. Secondly, when will he come back? Well, I'm not 100% sure. To be honest, I'm just going to be ready and I'm still going to love my family, enjoy our church. If it happens in my lifetime, whoopee doo, and if it doesn't, it will happen. Number three, what are the signs? They're right there in front of us. Now you have to work out for yourself where you stand on these things. But I choose today to stand on what Jesus says. And I want to be a leader and a pastor who stands for truth. Because when these signs come, and they are coming as a church, Chantal and I, we decided that we are making a commitment today to stand for truth and to speak for truth. We will not always be popular. We're already taking hits. But when you know, you know. When you're sure, you're sure. When you're ready, you're ready. You know, you know. And so if you know that you're going to be a person of truth, child, young person, young adult, if you're saying today, I want to just share this. I was 17, 18, I went to a, a delirious concert at Skegness, of all places, Butlins. For the first time, I heard Martin Smith. He sang this song, I'm going to be a history maker. I'm going to be a speaker of truth to all mankind. As a young man, just 17, I made a decision that night. I would always be a speaker of truth. I would encourage you, swimming upstream is a lot harder than swimming downstream. But God will give you the strength to keep going when everyone is against you. But if you're going to be a speaker of truth, I want you to stand right now. You're saying, I recognize the times that I live. I recognize the day of Jesus' return is getting closer. But I'm committed to truth. I'm committed to loving people. But I'm also committed to the truth of God's word. It won't be popular. But God, my hope and trust is in you. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the presence of God in this place. I don't know if you're, where you're watching from, at home, at work, wherever you are, but... Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here. He's ministering to people. He's ministering to people. Jesus is coming again. We don't have to live in fear. We can live in the glorious hope of that promise. We put our hope and our trust in Him. I want to pray for everyone, but before I do that, I want to give you, anyone, an an opportunity right now to receive the love of Jesus to receive his grace and his hope. Maybe a friend brought you to church today. Maybe you're watching online for the first time. Maybe you've come today and you've said, wow, John, this is eye-opening, but I don't know Jesus as a friend. I don't know him as a personal savior. This is your moment to receive him. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Don't go through tomorrow without him. This week, we need Jesus. Politician can't save us. 
Your professor at university can't save you. It is only Jesus because God sent us a savior because he knew what humanity needed. And we need Jesus. So all that's left is simply to open up our hearts to him. He will come in. We receive his love and his forgiveness and he will give us a brand new start. We can have the assurance, as I said right at the start, that one day when we leave this earth, we can spend eternity with him. I'd love to know who I'm praying for today. Those online, those in the room. I'm simply going to count to three. When I get to three, all I want you to do is slip up your hand long enough and high enough so I can see it. Say, John, pray for me. Pray for me. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior today. As my Savior. One, two, three. Just slip up your hand nice and high. Pray for me. God bless you. 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 Here's what I want to do, okay? I'm not here to embarrass people. That's not my job. But I want to congratulate you personally. If you slipped up your hand, even if you didn't put up your hand, but you're saying today, John, I want to receive Jesus as my personal Savior. Bring a friend. I would love you just to come and stand down the front. Don't even think about it. Just come. I want to pray, pray with you. So you come. If you lifted up your hand, I want you to step out of your seat and come. You come. You come. Our team are going to, they're going to come and pray for you. Come on, church, let's congratulate every person who's making a decision today. Come on, keep coming, you come. You come. Beautiful. This is amazing. First thing I want to say is how proud we are of every single one of you. Because you just stepped out in front of all those people. You stepped into truth. You stepped away from your old life into your new life. God loves you today. God has a plan for you. And I want us to say this prayer. It's a really simple but a powerful prayer. I want us to say it out loud together. In fact, it's going to come up on the screen. It's right there, okay? And I want us to say, you know, sometimes we pray from our heads. We're like, we just pray it. But this is, this is a prayer I want us to pray from our hearts today as we invite Jesus to come and be the Lord and the Savior. Is that okay? Then I'm going to jump down. I'm going to shake every single one of your hands. And then we're going to give you a gift, which is a Bible, to help you for this, make a next step forward. Is that okay? So come on, church. We're all going to say it together. Are you ready? Dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Would you congratulate everyone as you said that prayer? That's amazing. I'm going to jump down. Congratulations. Bless you. Congratulations. Isn't this amazing? 17 people said yes to Jesus. give you a 
Bible and give you some information. Let's congratulate. Now, I wanted to invite people forward again. I did that last week. I want to show you what happens. Truth brings people into freedom. Truth brings people to freedom. People think truth scares people. Truth doesn't scare people. Truth reveals Jesus. So it actually does the very opposite. It reveals his heart and people respond to truth. This is why as the days approach of Jesus return, what we got to do? Speak the truth. In love, as my wife keeps reminding me. In love. Isn't she lovely? So if you've been touched today by God's word, and you're saying today, I'm going to be a speaker of truth to all mankind. In love. And we're going to be a church that are known to stand for God's word. Stand for truth as these days approach. Father, I thank you for a church that loves the truth. We don't always understand. We don't always even agree with it, Father, but we stand for it. And so we put our trust and our hope in you. And we thank you that you promised us that you will return one day. But until that day, our hope, our trust is in you. And so, Father, we recognize the times that we're living in. We are not going to live in fear. We're going to live in hope, Father God. And we're going to use this time, Father God, to share the glorious gospel. As we saw on that video, people are ready. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. So, Father, send forth laborers into your harvest, Father God, into your vineyards, Father God, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for opportunities this week to share the good news of Jesus in our schools, our universities, Father God, in our workplaces. We thank you that you hold our future. We thank you, Lord. You are the hope of the ages. We put our trust in you. He's coming back. He's coming back again. Thanks again for tuning in. If you said yes to Jesus today by saying the salvation prayer, we'd love for you to email connections at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision you just made. And if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, head to soulchurch.com. And don't forget to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching at Soul Church UK. Take care and God bless.